but we do something in February every single year, and we do a series on relationships. Because here's what we know. Regardless of where you're at in life, if the enemy wants to attack you on any kind of form, he usually attacks your relationships, specifically within the context of your marriage. How many of you know usually your spouse has the ability to bring you really high or bring you really low, really, really quick, based on the words that they say, based on the circumstances that you're dealing with, whatever it is. So we always spend an entire month just talking about the importance of this and how we can be better at this. So we're at our final week of our relationship series, the last week. I know some of you guys are like, thank God, I'm sick of talking about this. And uh, some of you, maybe you want some more. But here's the truth. What we've done over the past two weeks, the first week we talked about trust. And how many of you know trust is a big thing in relationships? Trust is a huge thing. It's ultimately the foundation of your relationships. And then when last week we talked about communication. How many of you ever trying to communicate something to your spouse and you're using all the words that you know how to use and they still say, I don't understand what you're saying. And so that's what we tried to clear up this morning. And we, ta- I mean, last week we talked about uncommon communication. How can we do that better? So just if you don't know this, all of our sermons are posted online at OSC Connect or if you have iTunes, however you do it, it's all on a podcast app. You can search that and you can follow up with that. But today I want to spend some time talking about how do we genuinely make it to the end? How do we make it to the end? How do we make it to 50 years, 60 years, 80 years? If God gives us that much time, how do we make it to the end? Because I don't know if you know this, but the statistic is 50% make it to the end. Now, I wonder, I don't know what the statistic is on this. I wonder how many people make it to the end and they still actually like each other. (laughs) I'm like, well, we stuck it out, but we hate each other, right? Um, That doesn't count. So what we want to do this morning is how do we make it until the very end, still in love with each other, in love with Jesus, and in love with our spouse? Because how many of you know life can be hard? Relationships can be difficult. Um, The spouse, if you're sitting next to them, they will cause you your greatest happiness and your greatest hurt. Um, You're going to walk through some stuff together. But what I want to do this morning is just for a moment, I think one of the most helpful things that we can do sometimes is just to use our imagination and imagine what is it going to be like 40, 50 years from now, 30 years from now, 20 years from now. And when you're sitting on the rocking chair looking out at the front yard and you've got grandkids and you're sitting at the spouse next to you, like, are you going to be in love with them? What are the memories that you're going to be reliving? Are you going to be able to have some serious gains that you've made in the relationship? Are you going to have a ton of regrets? I don't know about you, but the older that I get, I think about this phrase a lot in the New Testament when Jesus says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The older that I get, I think about that. And the truth is, I really do want to finish well. I want to finish well. And and finishing well doesn't mean that you did it perfect. Finishing well doesn't mean that you didn't make some mistakes. Um, if you're going to have a healthy relationship, you're going to make some serious mistakes. Um, I, I say this all the time, but Claire and I have the privilege to counsel married couples sometimes before they get married. And every single time I sit down with a young couple and they say, we don't argue. I'm like, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> the truth is, you're going to have blowups. You're going to have some things that you disagree on. You're going to walk through crisis. You're going to walk through seasons of your life that are going to be so hard and you don't know how to get through it. But in all of that, how do we genuinely make it to the end? Bottom line is this. The truth is I won't fulfill the vision that I have for my marriage perfectly. Because every single day I'm made aware of some other new sin in my life. (laughs) 
something that I got to perfect, something that I've got to work on, something that I can grow in. And so here's what I want you to hear me on this. Because every time we dive into relationship series, here's the tendency. You start listening to everything that is being taught for your spouse and not for you. You're like, you, you hear certain points, you're like, oh man, I wish they, I hope they get that. You know, I hope they hear that. Maybe you even have certain things where you're like, you're nudging them. Don't do that. <laughs> but I want to encourage you today that this is for you, it's not for your spouse. Because here's the truth. If you can build a foundation on you being self-aware with you, where you're at, your relationship with God is being fostered and growing, your marriage is going to get to a healthy place eventually. The truth is, I've heard an author say it this way, that what if the intent of marriage was to make you holy, not to make you happy? Like, if you want to speed up the sanctification process in your life, if, if you want to look more like Jesus, just get married. That person will reveal some ugly things in you, won't they? <laughs> they'll say some things that tick you off. They'll, they'll, they'll do some things that you would have never done. They load the dishwasher in a way that you don't like to load the dishwasher. They clean dishes and put them up in a way that you wouldn't do it that way. And marriage is learning to die to yourself every single day, dying to your preferences, right? Now, the truth is, when I look back at my life, my wife and I will be able to celebrate 11 years of marriage coming up this week. We've literally been together for 17 years. And when I look back on our relationship, it's not perfect. You know, it's not perfect. I I say this before because we've had people say this to us, oh man, y'all's relationship just looks so awesome and that's what we want to be like. And here's the truth. If you want to be where we're at, then you also have to take all the crap that we've walked through. <laughs> like any good relationship, any, any genuine good relationship, if they're at a good spot, has walked through some dark stuff, some seasons of hardship, some seasons of like where you don't feel like you're going to be able to make it out. Just show of hands, if you can be honest, how many have walked through some difficult seasons in your marriage? some difficult seasons in your relationship. If your spouse didn't raise their hand, raise it for them. Okay, now don't do that. We've all been through some dark stuff. So so the question is, how do we make it to the very end when just what we're doing is hard enough? Relationships are hard enough because the truth is you have your own ideas about life. You have your own preferences about life. You have your own ways of doing things. And then guess what? What? You're married to somebody else who has their own preferences about life. They have their own ways of doing things. And you got to take those people together and you put them underneath one roof. And then you got to figure it out. So let me put it this way. As you get older, there are things in your body that you're not going to be able to do anymore. So I was in Tennessee uh, a few months ago climbing a mountain. And I'm watching my, my my 10-year-old son and my 8-year-old son running up this mountain. I'm like, I'm 32. I got this. I'm running up the mountain. And like halfway in, I'm like, hold on, boys. Hold on. Dad just wants to enjoy the scenery. <laughs> I'm like, oh. I can't tell them that I'm out of breath, you know. I just want to take in the moment, boys. <laughs> yeah. As you get older, there's just certain things that you can't do anymore. Like one day you're going to get out of bed and go, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with my back? <laughs> One day you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have this beaming headache and you can't even be a normal human being until you drink coffee. (laughs) I remember when I discovered coffee in in college, it changed my life. (laughs) And then I had kids and like coffee is not enough. (laughs) But as you get older, there's going to be things that you can't do anymore. 
But here's what you have to be careful of. As you get older, if you stop pursuing your spouse is the moment that your relationship begins to deteriorate. So there may be things physically that you can't do anymore, but there can never, ever be this point where you stop pursuing. Because if you get to that point, here's what happens. Everything begins digressing. Everything begins to fade. Everything begins to get old. All these things start to frustrate you over and over again. If you stop pursuing your spouse, you're going to end up at a place that you never thought that you could be. Let me put it this way. If you stop pouring into your marriage is the day that it starts to die. So no matter how old you get, no matter how long you've been together, there always has to be something in it where you're trying to keep it fresh. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a relationship in the scriptures that we see three different pieces of this relationship that they walk through. And it's Solomon and his wife. And I, I want to read the part where like their relationship is awesome. They're in love. They just got married. They're on their honeymoon. Everything is perfect and nobody can do anything wrong, right? They haven't really experienced marriage yet. Song of Solomon 8, 1 through 3 says, Oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed me at my mother's breast. Now watch what he says. I find you outside and I would kiss you and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spice wine to drink, the juice of pomegranate. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. Here's what he's saying. It's just old language. Okay, these are not things that we would say to our spouse. Like in Song of Solomon, like some of the u- words that he uses to romance his wife is not the same words that we would use today. Like in one of the translations, he says, oh, that your neck is as long as a gazelle. Like don't say that to your wife. It's, it's just different language, okay? So this is what he's doing. He's romancing his wife. He's pursuing his wife. Now this is important. So the first point that I want to make in this message is number one, and I want to make a strong emphasis on the last word of this. Pursue your spouse regardless. Regardless of where you're at. Pursue your spouse regardless of the season that you're walking through right now. Regardless of the stuff that you've walked through. Regardless of the past that you carry on. Regardless of the hurts. Regardless of the pain. Solomon, at this stage in his life, they're much older now, and despite all their history and familiarity with each other, they still pursue one another. You see Solomon, if they had phones back then, he's, he's texting his wife, I love you, I'm thinking about you. They may move slower physically now, but their love does not die. Here's, here's another way to say it. They refuse to become roommates. Because <laughs> listen, some of you may say, well, you know, we, 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 we haven't called it quits. But the truth is, physically, emotionally, we have. We're living underneath the same house. There's no intimacy. There's no connection. There's nothing going on. Here's what Solomon's trying to teach us. He says, I want you to notice something, how they demonstrate their love in public. It says they do it in the streets and they do it in their house. So they demonstrate their love in public before everybody else and when nobody's looking. And another way to say it would be this. They didn't hold hand in public to keep up appearances and then go cold behind closed doors. Ever notice that? Like you're, maybe you're at a bad place and you're like, let's act like we're all in. You're like, get, get off of me. And you go cold behind closed doors. How do you keep it up in public and in private? Pursuit, regardless. Meaning when you are married long enough, You're going to see some ugly parts about that person. That person is going to see some ugly parts about you. 
And there's going to be so many opportunities for you to be offended, for you to be hurt, for you to be distracted, for you to get your eyes off on something else. But what if you had the mentality that says, you know what, I'm going to pursue them regardless. Meaning, I know they're broken just like I am. I can give them the benefit of the doubt, meaning maybe they said some hurtful things to me, but I'm going to excuse it because I know that was a bad moment for them. I know that, how many of you have ever said words and as they're coming out of your mouth, you want to just grab them back? (laughs) What would it look like if in the middle of that, you saw it for what it is, that maybe they were just hurt, they said some things that they didn't really mean, but they were hurt as well, so they decided to hurt you. You ever been there? (laughs) You just got hurt and you end up saying words that pierce somebody really deeply. See, if you believe the lie that I'll be a better spouse one day, that one day will never come. It starts in the everyday pursuit. The truth is, you probably won't make it that long if you stop pursuing, because things just go cold. The way that I can explain it is this. Have you ever been to a beach with a riptide? You ever get, you get out on the beach, and you're swimming around, and you're enjoying it, and you kind of have this like landmark on the shore. Maybe it's a telephone pole. Maybe it's your towel sitting on the sand. And you know where all of your stuff is, and you're playing around in the waves, and then one you look up, 10 minutes later, and you're like way down here, and your stuff is way over there. You've drifted like a half a mile, and you're like, how in the world did I get over here? That's exactly what happens in marriage. You don't realize that it's happening, but one day you wake up and go, I don't even feel anything anymore. See, the truth is, if you're not investing something in it, I want you to understand, it doesn't mean that nothing is happening. You're actually drifting. (laughs) And then one day you wake up and you go, how in the world did I get here? Another way to say it would be the day you stop putting logs on the fire is the day that the fire begins to go out. You know this, if you stoke a fire, it's like you have to constantly add a log to it. So men, it means you tapping into your emotional side sometimes. All the time, actually. (laughs) I love you. Learning to freshen it up, not just like on the phone, like love you, bye. Like sometimes it's the only time we ever tell our spouse we love them. Think about how can I creatively pursue this person? I tell newlyweds all the time that what would it look like if you became a student of your spouse? You begin to learn them. You begin to figure them out. What triggers them? What do they like? What is their love language? Truth is we'll never arrive at a place where you can say, man, I just know that person so much unless you're intentional about it. Each day, we're called to pursue our spouse daily. Now, I want to be honest with you. This starts with pursuing the Lord. Because listen, you can drum up enough willpower all you want, but that will last only so long. If you're just like, man, I just want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. And you know what? This week, I'm going to do that. It's only going to be short term unless it's some kind of connection that is flowing from the Lord. Because you only have a, enough willpower to last for so long. You know this whenever you're like, this year is the year that I get in shape and eat healthy. And all of a sudden you say no to everything, but because you're not fully committed to it, it slowly begins to degenerate, right? And slowly begins to fade off. That's a willpower. But what would it look like if you tapped into a higher power that you said, you know what? The marriage is not just about me fixing that person. You know, oftentimes we have struggles in our relationships because of the fact that we're actually not trying to fix us. We're trying to fix them so that they can look like us, (laughs) so that we can be more compatible because we want them to have our interests. We want them to think like we think. 
the truth is, as Claire and I dove into marriage, we begin to realize that this God made us different for a reason. Like, we're polar opposite personalities. And it's a good thing because it brings out the things in us. I'm able to compliment her. She's able to compliment me. We're able to point out the weaknesses in each other's lives so that we can grow. Point number two, I will stay with you until the end. I will stay with you until the end. Meaning, man, there's going to be some difficult things that you walk through. Every single person is in, in here. I used to preach this, and then it happened to me. Every single person is one phone call away from your life drastically changing. Like we're not in as much control as we think we are. One phone call, and everything in your life can shift or change. So it means that regardless of what happens in our relationship, I will stay with you till the end. Watch what Song of Solomon chapter 8, 6-7 through seven says says, set me as a seal upon your heart. This is a covenant. Like when you made a covenant in the Old Testament, you did not break it. A seal upon your arm. Watch this. For love is as strong as death. Meaning the only way out is the grave. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. Now watch what it says. Many waters cannot quench this love. Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would utterly be despised. So that word love in that text is a Hebrew word called ahava, meaning this. It's the clean type of love. It's the type of love that says, I'm not going anywhere regardless of what we walk through. That's what real love looks like. Meaning all the oceans of the world, all the crisis, all the dark seasons, all the, 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 the terrible stuff that we might have to walk through with dealing with our children and the seasons that we walk through when we don't feel like we're in love, we don't feel the emotions, meaning no matter what, I'm not going anywhere. Meaning that real love is worth more than all the riches in the world. See, real love is not Disney, is it? <laughs> we fantasize about it. When we were kids... And it feels like, oh, I know what love is. Real love is not an emotive love. It's an ahava type of love saying, I've seen the worst parts of you, and guess what? I'm sticking with you. I share this in the first service. Here's how we know that this is the type of love that the Father has for us. And it's the type of love that we're required to have. See, the New Testament teaches us that the church is the bride of Christ. Meaning that Jesus is married to the church. It's his bride. It's his love. Now, if you read and you look back on church history, the church has done some horrific things in the name of Jesus. Like crusades where we killed people in the name of Jesus. You can even think of it. Maybe some of us come from churches that have done horrific things in the name of Jesus. Churches that take people's money and go and buy airplanes in the name of Jesus. Whatever it may look like. And if I was Jesus stepping back and looking at it and go, I don't know that I want my name associated with all these things. <laughs> I think I need to separate from, but, but he doesn't do that. He goes, no, my love for the church is an ahava kind of love. It's a clinging type of love. It's a love that doesn't go anywhere. And though there's brokenness, though there's dysfunction, though there's things that need to be worked on, I love it and I'm sticking with it. 
It's the kind of love that we are required to have with our spouse. If we're going to be faithful to the end, we have to lean into the covenant that we made with the Lord. This is why that scripture says, so I seal it upon my arm. It's a covenant. Here's what you have to understand about marriage. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Now, a contract is like a cell phone bill. (laughs) It's like a mortgage. It's like a thing on your car. So if you don't pay your cell phone bill, you get a call. Hey, you missed the payment. You need to make it. You decide that you don't want to pay it anymore, so you stop. You no longer like the terms of the contract, so you tear it up and you remove yourself from the contract. Well, your cell phone service gets cut off, right? So now you got this debt hanging over there, but you're like, I'll deal with that later. I'm just going to go with somebody else, get a new cell phone, new service. The problem is you move over to the new cell phone, the new service, but now you got this hanging debt over here. And you see, the truth is, it's the same thing in marriage. Marriage is not a contract. If you don't agree with the terms, you don't get to tear it up. It's a covenant. It's not to shame anybody that's walked through a divorce or separation or anything like this. Here's what I want you to understand within that. If that's you this morning, hear me clearly on this. The redemption of God is more powerful than the mistakes that you've made. So it means this. Whoever you're with now, it's forever. (laughs) Whoever you're with now, it's forever. This is what I love about Jesus. He never revisits your past and says, you shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have done that. I can't believe you. No, no, no. He he looks at where we're at right now. So let's make that covenant with where we're at right now. Let's make that commitment with where we're at now. I'm not trying to revisit the past. You see this in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son takes all of his father's possessions. He spends them. And then when he finally comes to this place of like, oh my gosh, I've ruined my life. Maybe I can go back to my dad and maybe he'll just hire me as a slave. The thing I love about that story, he finally comes back. What does the father do? He embraces him. He never mentions one thing about his past. He doesn't go, where's my money? What'd you do with it? Where'd you spend it? He just goes, I love you. Come back into the family. So if you made a mistake, listen, I want you to understand, God is not here to shame you or condemn you. It means this, and that's what the enemy will try to bring up. (laughs) So he'll try to drag up. How can you hear anything that he's saying because you've made that mistake? No, 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 no. Let's not go back there. Let's focus on where we're at right now. We're all full of mistakes. We've all made them. We're all imperfect. So what God cares about right now is the commitments that you're in right now, so let's honor those. Does that make sense? Ahava says this, it's not an option for me to go anywhere because Jesus doesn't abandon his bride. He doesn't abandon his church. Our marriage is a covenant, not that you just made with your spouse, but that you made with the Lord. Saying, till death do us part, for better or for worse, Do we realize the words that we recite when we're saying that? (laughs) Let me just be honest for a second. When you said, till death do us part, for better or for worse, some of you are in worse right now. You've got to remember the confident and the covenant that you made. Till death do us part, for better or for worse, Zach, I don't like worse. I don't either. (laughs) But it's the type of love that God requires us to have because here's the truth. How many of you have ever told God that you'd never do it again, but yet you do it again? He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't go, you know what? Three strikes, you're out. It's a type of love that keeps, reg- keeps loving. It's a type of love that doesn't bail when things get difficult. It's a type of love that says, no, we made a covenant with one another. A covenant that means that no matter what, we're sticking together. That's real love. 
Real love is when you can look at your spouse in the eye and say, you, you've deeply hurt me, but you know what? I love you and I'm sticking with you. Now, I'm not advocating for abuse. I'm not advocating for any of those types of things. I know there, there are certain instances in Scripture where God does give us a way out, but here's what I want to caution you with. Even if you have a way out, redemption is more powerful than leaving. And sometimes it's the only option you have, regardless of your, whatever your circumstances may look like. But God is a God of redemption. God is a God of taking things that look so broken and restoring them. See, I wonder how many times we've gotten to seasons in our life when we want to quit, when we want to give up, and we actually quit, and we miss out on the redemptive story that God could have created in our life. So here's what I want you to let you know. The reality is whoever you're married to is going to disappoint you. Let me say it this way. Your spouse is not responsible for your happiness. And if you are, you're going to live in a miserable marriage. Because here's what happens. You're going to have one spouse that has a whole lot of needs and another spouse that is trying to give them those needs. And they finally reach this place where, man, I'm not happy because he's not giving me what I need. And then the other spouse is going, I'm giving all that I have and it's not enough. (laughs) Your spouse isn't responsible for your happiness. It says that one day we will stand before the Lord and we will be responsible for our own life. And at the end of the day, if you want a happy marriage, it requires you to go, you know what, I've got to find happiness outside of this relationship. If you're looking for a relationship to fulfill you, to make you happy, to make you a whole person, it's just not going to work. Let me say it this way, your spouse will not complete you. They just don't. Remember the movie, Jerry Maguire? Oh, you complete me. Lie. (laughs) A spouse will not complete you. Another imperfect person cannot complete another imperfect person. The only person that will complete you is Jesus. There's going to be difficult days. There's going to be frustrating behavior. There's going to be crises that will expose your heart. And you're going to talk about things that you never thought that you had to talk about. There's going to be frustrations that you never thought you can feel. There's going to be feelings that you never even know you could feel that way. They're going to discipline the kids in a way that you don't think is right. They're going to load the dishwasher and you would never load it that way. They're going to put up dishes in a way that you would never put up dishes. They're going to take out the trash when they feel like it's flowing. And you're like, it's overflowing. You're like, eh, this has a few more stuffs, <laughs> right? There's just going to be things that you're not going to agree in. So guess what Paul tells us to do? Marriage is dying to one another, dying to yourself. Here's what you have to be very careful of in marriage. Oftentimes when you get into a conflict, you get in frustrations, here's what you have to know. You're just trying to make that other person look like you. You're like, you don't understand. I have these preferences, and I need you to line up with these preferences. That other person is going, you don't understand. I don't think like this. This is not how God's wired me. And that's not to say that we don't die to certain things so that we can serve one another. But if you're trying to make your spouse look like you, you're missing out on the beauty of a holistic relationship. Because God said, I didn't put two like people together for a reason. I put you together so that you can complement one another, so that you can improve one another. Listen, if you want to become more like Jesus, if you want to speed up the sanctification process in your heart, just get married. (laughs) Because marriage reveals some stuff in you, doesn't it? 
it points out some things that you never thought were there. So remember what Solomon says. Set me as a seal upon your heart. What does this mean? It means this, that you dig your boots in the ground and I will love regardless of what happens. Against all the odds of culture, the hardship, the difficulty, I'm going to love this person. Are they perfect? No. Like if you want to know some dirt on me, ask this woman right here. <laughs> like they, they've seen the worst parts of us, right? Our spouse knows. Every, you, once you've been married after a certain point, there's nothing you can hide. They just know. You got that face. You okay? I'm fine. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> no, you're not. They begin to know you. So it means this, till death do us part. Bring on poverty, bring on death, because ahava is better than anything that the world throws at us. So marriage, it's not Disney, but it's preparing for the dark days. It's preparing for the months and years and the seasons that may be difficult. Because here's the truth. I know we don't like this. I know we don't like to hear this as Christians, but it's a broken world and nobody gets out without bleeding. (laughs) Everybody's going to bleed some. So it's you coming to this conclusion of just going, you know what? If this is going to be done well, if it's going to be done right, sometimes I've got to feel the pain. Sometimes I've got to walk through it. I wonder how many breakthroughs you've missed out on your marriage because you just shut down too quickly. I, remember, I wonder how many conflicts that you could have resolved but you chose not to do it because it was too painful. And now you feel like this distance, you feel this wedge in the relationship. What is that? Because it's stuff that you're not talking about. It's stuff that you're not dealing with. Number three, this won't be difficult. I will continue to believe despite our history. I will continue to believe despite our history. If you've been married, if you've been dating for amount of time, you got some history together, right? Some history that goes, yeah, I don't trust him in that anymore. Don't trust her in that anymore. You continue to believe despite the history. You continue to love despite the history. I'm not saying that this doesn't, like there's going to be boundaries that may need to be drawn and things that may need to change and all that kind of stuff. But here's the truth. See, Solomon looks really good in all these chapters that we've just read. Man, he's, he's, he's romancing his wife. He's saying like, like this ahava type love, but I'll be honest with you, he blew it really bad. <laughs> really bad. So he reaches this point in his life where he kind of goes through this midlife crisis. He's the richest man in the world and he's not happy. He reaches this point, I'm the, I'm the wealthiest man in the world. I had the woman of my dreams. I'm no longer satisfied. So he writes the book of Ecclesiastes to give an account for everything that he walks through. So he reaches this point where he's not happy. So here's what happens. There's this emptiness in his soul. He doesn't feel like, well, my wife's not making me happy. The money that I have is not making me happy, so maybe I need to shift some things up. So he goes on this quest to find meaning. This is what Ecclesiastes is all about. It's a crazy book. You can go read it. It's crazy. So he goes on this quest to find meaning, and it says in Ecclesiastes, he did not withhold his heart from taking anything in. Anything he wanted, he bought it. Any type of party that he wanted to throw, he did it. Whatever he wanted to eat, he got it. Whatever kind of gadget, device he wanted, he got it. It's still not enough. He looks at the one woman that he has, and he goes, you know what? I need to add 700 more. 
He had 700 wives. How many women, you'd just be like, out, I'm done, <laughs> right? 700. Then he goes, that's not enough. I'll add 300 concubines. So these are just women that he's not even married to. 700 wives, 300 concubines. I could think of 700 reasons and 300 more to leave you, <laughs> right? He does all of this, and this woman has every reason to leave. Because her husband went crazy for a season. It's not the same man that she had fell in love with in the very beginning. It's not the same man that had romanced her. It's not the same man that had brought her to this place and you know, glorified her beauty. and all. It's not the same person anymore. So what do we do? Here's what she realizes. The grass is never greener on the other side. And Solomon began to learn the hard way because he had a wife that stuck with him. Yet again, I'm not advocating for abuse, okay? But despite their history together, she dug her boots in and said, despite our history, I'm not leaving. And over the course of this season, you begin to see Solomon's hard heart begin to soften. And at the very end of his life, Solomon pens in Ecclesiastes 19, he says this, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved what you do. Here's what he's saying. Go have all the fun you want. At the end of the day, God approves of some of the things that we do. It's not going to make you happy. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Now watch what he says. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given to you under the sun because that is your portion in life. So he comes back to this realization of this woman I had all along, this husband I had all along, this is what I needed. It's this realization of even on this quest, listen, men, women, you can go on the same quest that Solomon says. He's already spared you all the pain if you just read the words. He's saying, listen, Ecclesiastes is giving this account of I took everything, all the women I wanted, the boats, the houses, the food, everything that I can imagine. At the end of the day, I was still miserable. So what is he saying? Man, there has to be this internal quest inside that I have to reconcile and I have to settle. Do you want to have a marriage that makes it to the end? The only way to do it, listen to me, the only way to do it is to make Jesus the center. That's it. The only way your soul will ever feel satisfied is not by your spouse. It's by Jesus making the sinner, because here's what happens. If you're relying on how you emotionally feel in the relationship, you're going to train wreck it. But if your foundation is built on something outside of your emotions, you're solid. Because when life gets tough, when seasons get hard, you get to go back to the foundation and say, you know what? I know this doesn't make sense, babe. I know this hurts. I know we've both hurt each other, but God has a purpose and a reason for this. He's got us this far and he's gonna take us further. But if you base it on emotions, you go, what? You know what? Are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Okay, are you happy? No, I'm not happy. Then what is the whole point of this thing? What is the whole point? Our love cannot be based on how we feel, even how we look. How we feel, how we look, how, what's going on in the day. If it's based on that, it's based on very shaky ground. Very shaky ground. Because how many know our emotions fluctuate? 
they go up and they go down. And men are some, some men are like, I don't have emotions. Yes, you do. <laughs> they fluctuate. They go up and down. You're going to wake up some days and be infatuated with your spouse. You're going to, I'm so thankful for you. And then you're going to wake up some of like, yeah, whatever. Right? But you're not going to be into it. You don't feel like you're bought in. So you have to tap into something that's greater than you. And that's Jesus. So if you want to make it until the very end, you have to pursue regardless, stay when it gets hard, and love despite your past. We all got some history. But can I tell you something? The person that you're with now, you have to look at it like this. God joined us together. God put us together. So if God put us together, there's a reason behind this. Because God doesn't make mistakes. (laughs) So I just want to encourage you as we close out this series that maybe the season that you're walking through won't be the rest of your life. And it's this realization of coming. Maybe it's difficult. Maybe we're walking through some dark days. Maybe it's hard. But you know what? We're going to put our hope and our faith in something greater than us. So let me speak specifically, and then I'll close. So, so, so maybe you're in here just going, you know what? And we've been married. I was talking to my brother yesterday, and I just, you know, feel for him. Him and his, him and his wife, they've been together. My brother's done a little surgery. They've been together for seven years. They can't have a baby. They've been trying, they've been pushing, they've been praying, and it's caused all kinds of animosity in their relationship. And it's not like that they're trying to be frustrated at each other. They just, they have something that they want. It's not working. It's not happening. And they're doing everything that they know how to do, and so they begin to ask the question of like, well, God, why can so-and-so and I can't? Here, here's what I want to let you know. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're at a place where you go, like, God, why can't we have the relationship like so-and-so? There's been broken trust in our relationship. Like, why are we here? Why do I have to walk through this? Or, or maybe you're in your relationship now and you go, you know what? I've never had anybody to teach me what this is supposed to look like. <laughs> maybe you didn't have a healthy example. Maybe you didn't have a good dad. Maybe you didn't have a good mom. So the only thing that you know is what you're in right now and it's, it's wrecking some things. But here's what I know. If you could do one thing you could base your life where you sit together, maybe today when you get home and say, you know what, babe, I know that there's things that we're walking through. I know there's things that we're both believing for. I know that there's things we're both frustrated at. I know there's things where we're just hoping and praying that God will come through and it feels like he's not there. But can we anchor ourselves on one thing? This has more that God is trying to do than it is about our circumstances could be the baby it could be the marriage it could be the past it could be the history here's what i want you to understand oftentimes god allows you to go through these things not because he's angry at you not because he's frustrated at you but if you're not careful you start taking all that out on your spouse and so it has to come down to this place of going you know what god i'm going to trust you even in difficulty even when i don't understand even when it's hard even when i look at other people and it doesn't seem fair even when it doesn't seem fair, even when life doesn't seem to make sense, here's what I do know. The scriptures teaches that all we need for God to come through is the faith of a mustard seed. 
And sometimes, this, I've learned this the hard way in my life, as soon as I can finally get to the place where I take my eyes off of the glaring circumstance and go, okay, God, you know what? I'm done. I'm, trying to, I'm done trying to fix it. I'm done trying to figure it out. And I finally step back in a comfort of like, God, you just do what you need to do. And then God comes through. And I go, why didn't I do that in the first place? So wherever you're at, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're dealing with, one, I want you to know this. God is pleased with you. He's not angry at you. The circumstances that you're walking through right now is not punishment for something that you've done. God doesn't operate like that. Whatever you're walking through, it may be painful, it may be difficult, it may be a season of hardship, but I promise you this, and I'm saying this from personal experience, pain in your life always has a reason. And God's always trying to do something. And I promise you, there's always a breakthrough on the other side of that. And the only way that we get there is finally surrendering control. All right, God, I'm done. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. So we step back, we give it over to God, and God says, I've been waiting for that because I know what to do. (laughs) I know exactly what we need to do. And then God steps into the driver's seat, and he begins to do what only he can do. 